Welcome to another episode of our conference kickoff series here at Campus to Canton. Colin, I bet you are so proud that I got that right. But as always, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Here with a very special guest we are going to introduce in just a moment. We are talking Pac-12 tonight, guys. We're finally dipping our toes back into the Power 5 waters. It feels like we were gone for so long. So long. We're finally back to some familiar territory. And to help us out here at the beginning of the episode, we have the host of Chasing the Natty, the head of our CFF team here at Campus to Canton, and the only person I've ever met who doesn't know what BOFA means. <laughs> at CFF <laughs> underscore Jared on Twitter, Jared Palmgren. Thank you for joining us, Jared. Very happy to have you here uh, to do a cram session to start the show with us tonight. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And second of all, can we actually talk about BOFA for a second and talk Bofa about how it, 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 do, it doesn't make any sense? Like, come sure, on, go like, ahead. Okay, Tell like, us. If, if, if we're going to if we're going to do these like middle school jokes and these middle school jokes are funny, can we at least do something like butt for where you like tell somebody like, hey, like, where's your butt for? And then they say, and then they say something like, oh, what's a butt for? And you're like, it's for pooping, silly. Like, can we at least do something like that? Like both of these nuts. I'm sure you gotta bleep that out later, but like, yeah. but like both of these nuts, like again, I get it. These nuts, funny joke. Even Nick Saban laughs at these nuts jokes, okay? But like, where, where does Bofa come in? I don't know. Well, I'm not. A, I'm the, far be it for me to give you an anatomy lesson, but there's two of them typically. So that's like least, where the like, both, like lig both ligma makes more sense than Bofa, okay? Like if we're gonna go down that road, like ligma uh. works. I'm so sorry that I started this episode off with this now. I thought it would just be something. We So we were talking before the show, and we were like, we don't have a bit for you, Jared. I'm so sorry. And then as soon as it starts rolling, I'm like, yeah, Bofa. Um, so there, uh, there's your we'll just apologize. We'll apologize to the HR department again. I apologize to you for having to edit all this out later. No, no. We, 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 we are famously light editors here on the show, so it is staying in. Um, well, Jared, yeah, thank you so much for hopping on here with us. Um, Loved, you know, getting to know you over the past year, meeting you at the expo, get to do that again this year, um, getting to listen to Chasing the Natty uh, grow. And, and, and <laughs> We're done with that joke now, Colin. It's oh, over. Sorry. It's sorry. over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for coming on, Jared. We're going to have you do, do the cram session here with us. Um, I know you listen to the show here. Uh, for anybody that that maybe this is their first uh, episode of this session, welcome uh, in here. What we're doing is we're having a guest on every week during uh, our conference previews here. We're asking them three very simple questions. A player that's going to help their stock the most this year, a player that is going to hurt their stock the most this year, and then the boldest take they can possibly say without getting canceled. So we have all three of those lined up here for you tonight, Jared. Are you ready for this challenge? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay, so then let's start it right off, Jared. Uh, player that's going to help themselves the most this year, take it away. Uh, Austin, I know you're going to like this one a lot because I'm going with Mr. Michael Trigg, Ooh. tight end out of Old Miss. Uh, this whole saga with the two players from USC transferring to Old Miss kind of reminds me of like every bad middle school drama movie. Where you have like the main character who like wants to be the guy, who wants to be like the cool kid on the block and everything. That's Jackson Dart over here. We'll get to him in a second. But that's Jackson Dart over here. But then they go through this whole crazy thing, and suddenly the plan doesn't work 
God, he doesn't become popular, but somehow his best friend over here, who's supposed to be like the nerd that nobody likes, all of a sudden they're the popular one. That's how I feel like happened to Michael Trake here. Michael Trake is set up for an incredible year, this upcoming year. And it really all, a lot of it, first of all, boils down to his talent. Like, dude is an incredibly talented tight end. Uh, very good size already. You guys kind of mentioned it on the uh, summit show not too long ago. He's already a six foot three, 240 pounds. You love that in a tight end, especially a young tight end. He's still got some time to put some weight on. Um, but he's also walking into a system with Lane Kiffin that has produced some incredible CFF talent over the years. Going back to 2018, you had Harrison Bryant at Florida Atlantic. He had a year where he had 45 receptions, 662 yards, and four touchdowns. Doesn't sound like a lot, but last year that would have been the tight end 12 in CFF. And then the very next year, the year that got Harrison Bryant drafted to the NFL, 65 receptions, 1,004 yards, seven touchdowns. That would have been good for the tight end two last year. And then you move on to 2020. You got transfer Kenny Yaboa comes into Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin's first year at Ole Miss. He had a, um, in seven games, he had 27 receptions, 524 yards and six touchdowns. But if you extrapolate that over to 12 games, that would have put him at roughly 46 catches, 898 yards and 10 touchdowns. That again would have been good for tight end two last year. Michael Trigg is, I would say, probably his most talented tight end that he's ever had to work with. Absolutely think he's lined up for a ton of production this year. And like Colin said on the show, uh, on the summit not too long ago, it's a very real chance that Trigg could end up being the possible top target in this offense. I think he's going to be incredible this year. He's currently going as a tight end six in C2C ADP. I think that's easily a top three by the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fantastic call. Um, you know, we I'm, I'm not quite as high on him as Austin. Austin has him tight end one. Um, I have him tight end three. But I, I think he, like I said, on the wide receiver tight end summit show that we just did, that I, I think he could lead that team in receiving. The It's probably the weakest room top to bottom that Ole Miss has had in a while. They do bring yeah. in Jalen Robinson, who's intriguing to me, but – Outside of that, I mean, Jonathan Mingo hasn't done what we hoped. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of other options, and he already has the connection with Dart. So I think he could have a huge year this year. Yeah, I love it. See, I guess we'll then move on to my stock down here because it's directly tied into this. And that is, I'm going to throw out Jackson Dart. And, like, I like Dart. I liked him last year at USC and everything. But just things are not going his way right now. He's currently going as tight end, or tight end, excuse me. He's currently going as QB5 in both c2c rankings and c2c adp there's no way i think he is that high by the end of this year especially especially if luke altmeyer continues to take snaps ahead of him at old miss practices we have just heard that his the first snaps at old miss this fall were taken by luke altmeyer we saw in the spring game that while i would say it showed that dart was the higher ceiling guy that Luke Altmaier just ha- looked like he had a little bit better control overall of the entire offense. Dart, going back to my middle school analogy, again, he was trying to kind of show off during that spring game, constantly trying to take deep shots, overthrowing guys, wasn't quite ready for that. Again, part of that was the O-line, but even still, if he doesn't even start this year, there's no way that people are going to be looking at him as a top five c to c quarterback by the end of this year. Yeah, his his ranking at five almost feels like we just don't know what to do after four. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I have Devin Brown personally as five. I think I have Dart, you know, right around 10, a little further in there. But it feels like after four, you don't feel too good about some of these guys. And those four obviously being um, uh, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, and Quinn Ewers, who another guy who we haven't really seen. Uh, yeah, but so I feel like you would want that next guy to at least be somebody you know is going to start this year. Well, I have Devin Brown there, so you can't. Uh, obviously, okay. I, I, uh, I I failed that one. I'm sorry. I messed that up. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Dart is, is, like Austin said, we don't really know what to do after four. And he has the tools. And we saw some flashes at USC. We really like the offense that he's in at Ole Miss because we just saw what Matt Corral did. I think Jackson Dart fits what Lane Kiffin wants to do with his offense better than Altmeyer does. So Altmeyer gives them the better floor, like you were saying, but Dart gives them the ceiling. And in the SEC West, I think you kind of have to play for that ceiling. I I, I don't think Luke Altmeyer. I mean, we can gets we can say that all day long, but if we keep getting these reports out of practice that Altmeyer continues to get the reps with the ones, like I don't, you can't really get beyond reality. That's true. Uh, but I mean, it's early on in, in camp here too. I mean, like these reports came out, started coming out, what, like this week, a couple mm. days ago. Yeah. So it's still early on, um, you know, so we'll see once we get towards the start of the season, if Dart still isn't getting the reps with the ones there and, you know, or not splitting them, then yeah, then absolutely we have to adjust, but I'm not adjusting just yet. I mean, to be fair, again, this whole stock up, stock down is a projection. I am projecting mm-hmm. that Dart's stock is going to be go down by the end of this year. Um, all right. Give us, uh, give us the bold take then. Give us the spicy stuff. So last year when I first came onto y'all's show, it was me and Xavier. You guys asked me to give you guys a sleeper. And I, I hang my hat on this one because I was very proud of it. But I gave, you the, I gave you guys a name, Garrett Schrader, quarterback out of Syracuse. And it was to the point that Austin said on the show live there that he had no idea who Garrett Schrader was. And then I told you guys in that show that if he went on to be the starting quarterback at Syracuse, that he was somebody to watch out for in CFF. Lo and behold, he eventually overtook Tommy DeVito and had several great fantasy weeks as the starting quarterback for Syracuse. Now, he is entering his second year as a start. He only started nine games in 2021. He has gotten an upgrade at offensive coordinator. And so my bold take is that I think that people are kind of assuming that we won't see any kind of improvement from Schrader in the passing game. I'm not saying that he's going to turn into like Brennan Armstrong and throw for 4,000 yards or anything like that. But I think we're going to see like a somewhat of an improvement. And so my bold take is that he is going to pass for 2,500 yards and they're going to truly let him free in the running game, and he is going to rush for over a thousand yards this year. Wow, that's because that's some lofty, lofty pass numbers there. I mean, I'm that's intriguing. So I, I, I just want to follow that up real quick. Then, is there a wide receiver that you really like this year if he's going to pass for that much? So, I mean, I like Sean Tucker because I think Sean Tucker is a better pass catcher than most people give him credit for. So I think he's going to benefit greatly from that. But um, out of the wide receivers, Courtney Jackson and Damian Alford are the two that come to mind. But uh, Anthony Queeley is also there, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those, um, any of those three, end up becoming the main guy there. None of them really stick out to me as like the guy I would go out and get right now. But I would put all three on a watch list and easily pick them up 
uh, on a waiver wire a couple weeks into the season if they're benefiting. Yeah, I mean, I I really like that call too. I mean, you turning us on to Schrader last year um, helped us to nail like some of these like later quarterbacks too. I mean, it just kind of went in with some of these other guys that we we talked about um, and entering in this year. Schrader's been one of my top targets, so hat tip on that one. I also throw one more thing out again. The thousand yards rushing seems like kind of a, I would say kind of a lofty thing, but when you go back to a guy um, or when you go back to last year in nine starts, he rushed for 781 yards. And if you extrapolate that to 12 starts, that um, comes out to about 1,041 yards. And then on top of that, if you go back to uh, Bryce Perkins's uh, final season as quarterback, they let him, uh, Robert Renee let him run at Virginia 227 times. And if you take those 227 attempts and give him Garrett Schrader's average of 4.5 yards per carry last year, that also puts him at over 1,000 yards. And I have a hard time believing that Robert Renee would go into that situation seeing what a great running quarterback he has in Schrader and not give him at least 200 carries on the season. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I have a lot of Schrader. So, yeah, I, I, I do hope that's the case. I, I have a lot of Schrader as well. He is, he's is he been going way too late in CFF recently. Like, I've been able to grab him in, like, the 8th, ninth, 10th round sometimes. Jared said go get him last year. I went and got him last year. And that's uh end of story there. Um, all right. Well, I think, uh, I think that's just about going to do it here, Jared. Thanks again uh, for stopping by here again at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter. Um, you can find all of well, you have the YouTube, the CTN uh, YouTube channel. Uh, yes. You can find also find that podcast on uh, the campus Canton feed and all of your writing and everything. Uh, the updated CFF guide just came back out. All of that work over at campus Canton. Uh, so thank you, Jared, for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your, your lovely evening here. Appreciate it, y'all. Thanks. Thank you, sir. All right, Colin, enough messing around here now. Jared's gone. He's just bad influence on both of us. Let's let's talk some Pac-12 here. Um, how come on Mac- both of us? <laughs> I said time to get serious. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Um, how come the Mac when they play it's Maction, but when Pack is not the Paction? Because Pack the Pac-12 is just terrible with branding. Plus, it would be pack 12 shin unless you just take out the 12 but they yeah they're they're not very good with branding they're the conference is kind of falling apart in general yeah um and i guess that's kind of the the elephant in the room that we're not really going to address today uh we don't know what's going to happen with the pack 12 beyond this year but for one year which is all we're talking about here um it is alive and uh, i think it's going to be a fun year in the conference uh arizona the first team up here colin and this in the past couple of years would have been a team where we uh, treat it like Navy and we say uh, we make a little a little quip about them and we move along. But this Arizona team actually is moderately interesting this year. They've they've completely overhauled the entire offense, basically. Really, the only question is going to be, in my opinion, the offensive line. If the offensive line is decent, I think this team can do some damage. And it starts at quarterback here. Uh, Jaden Delara comes over from. 
Washington State, he's been a run and shoot guy for most of his career, high school and college, or you know, uh, systems similar to that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how exactly he does here at Arizona. A kid that I thought had some NFL upside. Now I'm now I'm a little unsure, but he's still a good player. I mean, what what reasonably are you expecting for Delara this year? Is he going to hold this job? Fafita got some some hype as well this spring. Yeah, I know Fafita's gotten some hype this spring, and that's it's definitely a good thing um, for Arizona moving forward that they have somebody that they can probably feel confident in beyond um, Jaden Delara. But I think it's Jaden Delara. I mean, I think this is his job. Um, he was solid uh, at Washington State. Yeah, I know there was like a, him and a camp battle with Jarrett Guaratano, but I mean, let's be honest, what was that coaching staff doing at all? So um, they end up, you know, starting Delara rightfully, and Delara has a solid year. You know, he was the former freshman of the year in the Pac-12. So I think he is pretty safe in getting this job. Now I'll be interested in seeing kind of how he adapts to a new system. Like you said, you know, he um, has only ever played in the run and shoot. And I think he has some question marks as far as his NFL translation. Um, But for college purposes, I think he can be very productive in this starting role for Arizona. He is a guy that I'm interested in. I don't know how interested I am because I do think, you know, we we talk about this Arizona offense is going to be a lot better, you know, blah, 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 what happens. I'm still not sure that I'm necessarily projecting the Laura to be a week in week out starter for, for fantasy, which feels weird to say, but it does happen sometimes in the NFL where we, we project a bunch of the wide receivers fairly decently and then don't, uh, don't project the quarterback or kind of vice versa. Um, he's definitely not a sexy pick, but I do still think he has a good amount of value. You know, I just, um, I, I had, a, I just finished a draft and I know no one wants to hear about our leagues, but just, I just finished a 52 round draft and someone on Twitter, um, was like, well, what do you, I, I took Fafita. I stashed him in like one of those bonus rounds at the end. He said, what are you, what are you doing with Fafita? And I said, well, it's a lot of ifs, if this offense continues to build how we think it will. And if the law is bad, this is an intriguing player. I think the quarterback position here is intriguing regardless of the guy there, but I'm not sure it's anybody that I love. And for Delara, you kind of have to spend, you know, something decent still on him, whereas Fafita, uh, unless you're in a draft with Matt Bruning, who is just way too high on him, um, then, um, then yeah, I mean, then it, then it, then it probably doesn't matter. So uh, interesting quarterback battle there. You think it's going to be Delara. I think it probably is Delara as well. I love that. We're all ignoring that Jordan McLeod is there, but really he transferred in a couple years ago, I believe at this point for like USF for you, I think USF. Um, not sure. I see anything there. Um, the running back room, I think is actually really interesting too. Uh, a lot of people project why Mike Wiley to be the, the starter there this year, but I think the more intriguing players like where I'm going to talk about him going to be Jonah Coleman and Rayshon Luke, two freshman running backs. And I want to kind of ask your opinion on how these guys profile moving forward. So let's start with Rayshon Luke, whose nickname is Speedy um, because he is fast. He was at the All-American game. Had a, I, don't, I don't remember. I think he was the MVP. He was yeah. really good in the first yeah, half. He, was. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy where he's kind of getting the ball in space and, and, and let him do something a few times a game. What, what are you thinking – for him there this year and, and beyond just as, as a true freshman. Yeah. I think Rayshon Luke can have an immediate impact on this offense in some type of a role. Now 
due to his size, I mean, he's he's tiny, 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 tiny guy. I think he weighs like what one seventy. He's light. He's a small guy, so he's never going to be a workhorse. He's always going to be a, more of a bit player. But I think he plays at least from what we saw in the Under Armour All American game. He plays that bit very well. So. Like you said, he's a guy that you get the ball to out in space. You use him creatively. Um, and yeah, I think that he can step in and fill some sort of a role right away this year. Now, probably not fantasy relevant this year, but I think he is the type of guy that can build out to a, a fantasy relevant role for this offense. Yeah, he. so are we. it's funny because the kind of the two – Small backs in this class are Rayleek Brown, who's a five-star. He's at USC there, and we're going to talk about him in a few minutes. They're both in the same conference here. And then Rayshon Luke, who's at uh, Arizona here. And to me, Rayleek Brown feels a little bit like Jerion Ely, where I think he's going to get more of a chance as a traditional running back at times because he is a little bit thicker but still not big by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Ely's a small guy, and and so is um, Brown. Rayshon Luke feels to me more like Seven McGee, who, again, we're going to talk about him later tonight, second year, uh, kind of almost running back wide receiver hybrid at Oregon. And when he came in last year, he was really dynamic. I was like, well, how are they going to get the ball in this guy's hands? Like they, they kind of are deep at wide receiver, and he's really not a running back. I faded McGee really hard, and then McGee kind of transitioned to slot wide receiver this year, and, and he's looking much better. I almost see a similar pathway for Luke, who's not built thickly. Like I would have a hard time imagining getting him above 175. I, I don't think he can really get any bigger than that and still be a all ta- all, all whatever level uh, athletic talent. So I think that's the path to success for Luke. I think you know you can line him up occasionally in the backfield just for some scheme stuff, but I'd be shocked if he ever gets more than five or so carries a game. I think he'll be much more dynamic where, you know, use him in the screen game, use him, you know, just on short little, you know, quick slants, you know, off coverage, boom, hit him, let let him get working a little bit. I think that's going to be his game. I think he can really do some nice work there and kind of build that role and make it his over the next three to four years. Yeah, I do think he can build out a role there at least. And I mean, it'll be, like you said, it'll be interesting to see what that role ends up being. But I do think, like you said, you know, seven McGee ish. Um, there will be there. There is a role for a player this athletic and this dynamic. Yes, they're on any team. Yeah, on but especially team. on a team like Arizona. Correct. I mean, Bama's got four of these guys. Arizona has one. What do you think? They're they're going to make it work. They're yeah. going to try to at least. Jonah Coleman, the other guy. Uh, a bit more of an every down back. I, I mean, I don't love the player from the, I think he's just a steady college running back, but a guy that should certainly be rostered. And even if he's not fantasy relevant this year, I think uh, he'll get at least a, a two years probably there where he's the guy. And again, if this offense builds to anything, I think that's a very valuable piece. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, we'll see what his year one role ends up being, but because like you said, you know, Wiley's still there. Um, but I think, yeah, he's a guy that I've been interested in later in the drafts. Um, They are pretty middle of the road in terms of game script pass rate. 
Um, I think this is going to be an improved team, though, so they'll be able to run the ball a little bit better. Um, and I do think that, I mean, it's hard to get worse. They were 1-11 last year, but I think this will be a solid team this year. You know, maybe even the best team in the state of Arizona. Um, well, so, yeah. have the tides have turned. If you watch that Arizona State-Arizona game from two years ago, you never would have guessed that this is the point we'd be at here. Nope. Just these two short years later. I mean, that was what they beat him by 60, 70. Yeah. That game, it was like 30 something, nothing in the first quarter, man. I mean, it was just, it was a bloodbath. Yeah. Um, but that, this is not that same Arizona team. Um, so I, I do think they'll be able to run the ball better. I think Jonah Coleman's a solid running back. He's better than Wiley. He may not seize the role right away, but he will take it, I think, at some point, and it'll lead to some some fantasy relevancy. Million dollar question on this team, on this, on on here though, and um, the question that everybody's kind of asked this off season, and I think it's pretty, everyone's pretty split on it. Jacob Cowing comes in from UTEP, and Cowing, this will be his fourth year in college. He's a little undersized. He's five eleven, like one seventy ish. But he's just been incredibly dynamic. Last year at UTEP in an offense that was not you know, a, a passing haven by any stretch of the imagination, 69 catches, 1,354 yards, and seven touchdowns. And he had another rushing touchdown as well. I mean, very productive player, very dynamic. Can he take this step up to the big time? I know the Pac-12 isn't the big time, big time, but it's still better than Conference USA. Yeah, it's still power five. I think that's still that definitely still helps. You know, uh, Arizona is another team that's very much in that Kansas and Syracuse bucket where we don't know what the NFL if the NFL will actually care about the players that they are sending up. But I guarantee you they'll care more about it cowing at Arizona than they would have at UTEP. And picks up. like picks up yeah um, like we've been saying you know it'll be an improved team the quarterback play will be improved under Delara Uh, I don't see any reason why he can't come pretty close to replicating those same numbers from last year Um, I'm a little bit lower on him from a Debbie perspective than some other members that I've seen out there Um, you know we'll see how this year shakes out I don't think I see him getting day two draft capital Uh, I know you like to joke that everybody has a path there. His path is very, very narrow. Um, but for CFF purposes, yeah, I absolutely think he can have another solid to very good year. Yeah, I agree. I have I have cowing uh 39th in my Debbie rankings. So uh certainly not bad. I again this offense I think it's gonna be better and I, they run a decent amount of plays I think there will be some volume there for him beyond cowing I they have one of the better wide receiver rooms in the country uh let, we won't talk about Dorian singer who was kind of the guy there last year he's probably gonna be well he might be the second guy to start the year but I think you know eventually he'll be third behind cowing and Ted McMillan the true freshman they have coming in one of the higher rated wide receiver recruits they've had there in, in their history um top end volleyball player in high school and kind of plays like that above the rim style six three six four type kid um he's gotten a lot of buzz there i mean i've started drafting him a little more often as of late just in case something happens i kind of want to want a piece i have not but that's because people are there are definitely people out there who treat him like the wide receiver five in this class, or, you know, there are people who are very high on him. And 
I see the ceiling. I do big athletic uh, guy, but I think he just needs too much technical refinement. And I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know exactly what role he'll have at the NFL level. I don't know if he can be an alpha for an NFL team. So I am lower on him. I have not really ended up with him in very many places, but you know, that's not for a lack of interest. I do think he can be very productive on the college side. It sounds like he'll snag the number two role this year. Uh, if not right out of the gate very early on in the season. And then, you know, after Cowling moves on, I think, you know, Tet can absolutely be a guy there for two to three years for sure. Um, I would probably think it'll be a little bit more like three years because, I don't, like I said, I don't know what NFL future I see for him at this point. But, um, yeah, if, if he fell into – it's not that I don't like him and I would avoid him. He just goes earlier than what I've been willing to take him. The last intriguing name on this roster is Keon Burnett, uh, a four-star tight end in this year's class and a guy that I do have stashed quite a bit of. I'm not – I mean, projecting freshman, big freshman tight end seasons is pretty rare, contrary to what the last two years have shown us. Um, I, I do think he'll, he'll get snaps, but I'm not sure that uh, – He's a startable guy, but certainly a guy that I'm looking at moving forward. Big, athletic, and that's all we really care about there. We just talked about Arizona State a little bit there, Colin, where we joked, you know, Arizona I think might be better than them this year. And you look at this depth chart, and it's not hard to figure why we just said that. You know, they lose Jaden Daniels, transfers out to LSU, and we're not even sure if he'll start there this year. In comes another SEC quarterback, though, to replace him, Emory Jones from Florida. Uh, we've given Emory Jones a lot of grief, and I don't know that he's very good. But this is the kind of team where I think Emory Jones can actually kind of shine. Like, this is an underdog team, a team that isn't supposed to be particularly good, a team that will probably be playing from behind and off script quite a bit within, like, by from a, on a play-to-play basis. Like, I think this team will be very good. Jones has the athletic ability to kind of run around, make some things happen. I think this actually might be a better situation for Emory Jones. I, mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a first round draft pick like some people projected last year, but but this, this could be a sneaky CFF upside guy. And I'm intrigued about adding him on like the end of rosters if I have a, a team that maybe is a little thin at quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Arizona State is very much his level. You know, I think he was very overwhelmed at Florida. Current Arizona State. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he was very much overwhelmed at Florida. I don't think he's an SEC type of a quarterback. But, yeah, I think given his ability on the ground um, and, you know, he has a big arm at least. You know, you can say that about him. He may not be the most accurate. But those two things will lead to some fantasy relevancy. The issue I have is – this was a team that was 122nd last year in plays per game, so they're slow-paced. Now, they their offensive coordinator is gone, but they bring in a guy from UNLV who was not also not a fast-paced team. I just think this team is going to – it's not going to run enough plays where I'm going to want to start anybody from this team with any sort of regularity. But, like I said, with Emory Jones with his legs – end of a bench stash you could do worse and just a note paul tyson is on their backup is another transfer uh in from bama and i believe that is bear bryant's grandson yeah i think so 
Um, so maybe some magic there. Probably not. Um, running back. So I'm going to risk poking the bear here, Colin. Yeah, Colin just gave me a face. I don't think he knows it's about to come here. I think I do. In our CFF chat behind the scenes at Campus to Canton months ago, I'm going to pull this page from Felix. I was mocked and ridiculed for saying that I still liked Xavier Valaday, transfer running back from Wyoming, and I thought that he could take this job. Oh. I was told that I was an idiot, that this was Daniel and God's job to lose, that Valaday is not very good at football, and lo and behold, camp is open, and guess who looks like he's the number one running back on the roster? It's Xavier Valaday. Um, so I'm going to regret this when God is the first guy out there on opening night, but I'm going to say, screw you guys. I think I got this one right. He, I'm not talking to you. You probably weren't even in that chat yet. Probably not. We only like calling him because we had to. Um, I think Valaday's a good player. Like he's nothing spectacular. He kept Titus Swen's butt on the bench for the past couple of years. And everyone seems to have this excitement over Titus Swen. This isn't going to be a good team. Again, they're, they're going to be behind a lot, but Valaday has a couple hundred, a thousand yard seasons under his belt. I, I think he's fine. I don't think there's that much of a drop off here. I, he's not Rashad White, but I don't think he's a bad running back by any stretch. I think he's an a average college running back. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I was confused why you were coming at like the no, way you phrased you. that. You sounded you. like you were coming at me. No. And I was going to say on, I don't remember exactly when it was in the offseason. It was early. I think it was like March. Uh, I was on, I did a, um, CFF mock draft with Jared and some other uh, others in the industry. And um, I picked Xavier Valaday. I think it was like round nine or so or 10. And I was like, man, I was like, I like this, this move. Like, you know, it's uh, it, I think he's going to be the lead back in this offense. I think they're going to be run heavy. Um, so I like, I like Xavier Valaday. I think he's, I think he's solid. I think he's fine. Now, I have since come around on this offense just being poor. Like, I think Herm Edwards is done after this year. Oh, like, yeah. I think Dead man walking. This team is going to crater. This team, I, I this is like a three-win team, I think, this year. Like, I do not think this is a good team at all. So, what's, what's the strength of this team, Colin? Exactly. Nothing. <laughs> Can you name one? No, no. I can't either. No. Xavier Valaday. That's sad. Yeah. But that might be the strength of this team. Yeah. I, it's... Yeah, exactly. And, and like, they're not, not going to be a good team. They're going to run it's slow pace, but they're also not a great defense. So they're going to be kind of behind it sometimes. So my only problem with Valaday is his CFF value. Don't know how many weeks he's going to be startable for you. The, but so I think the, the game script will be bad, but he caught 23 passes last year. Yeah. Like if yeah. you have to put him in there, he can do that. I mean, Gata is he better at it, probably. Yeah. But if Alliday is not a zero there, I think he will take those some of those snaps away. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I just I don't know how often I'm going to want to start him. That's my thing with him. But yeah, I think he's the guy in this offense, and I think if this if you know, Jaden Daniels was still there and LB Bunkley Shelton was still there. You know, I, I think there could be something there. It's just the team is going to be too bad that I don't I don't see the upside in taking him. Yeah, it's tough to lose um, Rashad White and um, Chip. 
yeah, Chip training them in the same offseason there. They do still bring back Daniel Ngata, who we were just kind of mentioning, you know, a former four-star all-purpose back, a um, little smaller. Um, not a bad player by any stretch, but, I, you know, I think he's a role player. I, I think he's a pass-catching guy. And then Tevin White, true freshman, they brought another four-star. I like Tevin White. Again, unspectacular, but I think he's a he's got very good hands. He's almost like poor man's EJ Smith coming out of high school. Like not an excellent runner, but not bad. And what he really excels at is kind of winning downfield as a receiver, which is really an intriguing skill set. Will we get to see it at in an Arizona State offense that can actually take advantage? I I don't really know. Do you have anything to add on either of those two guys? Not so much on Nada, but I will add on Tevin White. I like Tevin White too. Um you know, when we did just strictly the freshman rankings back in February, January, um, he was much, much higher for me. But another guy that circumstances here with this team have caused him to fall down my board. And if Herm Edwards goes, I do not know what this team is going to look like next year. So he is a guy that I'm definitely intrigued by and could definitely see a rise in value. But with too many unknowns, he has fallen down my board a decent amount. But I like I, the player. We went from saying that this Arizona State wide receiver room was was overflowing with talent to um, to it's just kind of a bare cupboard at this point. They lose LV Bunkley Shelton, the guy that we both really liked, to Oklahoma. They lost Ricky Pearsall to Florida. Might, might end up being their leading receiver this year. Kind of a sneaky guy. They lost Johnny Wilson to Florida State really just leaves Elijah Badger behind, which makes Badger kind of intriguing now. We, mm -hmm. You especially, right? Yeah, we're pretty yeah. high on Badger the past couple years. Uh, missed year one with some academic eligibility issues. Um, last year got banged up in the offseason and kind of was never right. But I think he has a chance. He's a really good athlete. He's got pretty nice size. If they could just get the ball in his hands, I think he can be kind of that – Brandon Ayukish, like we'll just try to get you the ball in every situation possible because we're a bad football team and we just need we need a shot in the arm. I think that can be Elijah Badger. Yeah, I absolutely think that he can serve that role. Um, I, I he's very very. I think he's very similar to Brandon Ayuk. He is absolutely dynamic as an athlete, great with the ball in his hand. So if Emory Jones can distribute the ball, then he could have, and, and, you know, with some poor game script, potentially, he could have some nice weeks because he's the type of player that could take one slant and take it 70 yards to the house. Um, so I like Elijah Badger. I still like Elijah Badger. Um, but again, I just, I don't think this is a good team. And I don't know if Emory Jones can actually get him the ball. So now we're thinking, like, what does it look like next year? And we have no idea. So there's too many other questions like another player that i like but i don't like the situation um andre johnson's son is also on this roster notable did um, not know andre johnson's son was old enough to actually be in college that makes me feel old those early 2000s miami teams man they went hard <laughs> <laughs> jalen conyers is an interesting tight end there but again i'm not sure if uh if that's a guy that that i'm i'm particularly looking into um let's head on to cal here this is probably one of the ambiguous slash less interesting offenses here so we'll kind of keep this one short chase garber's out the door at quarterback jack Plummer 
comes in from Purdue, uh, loses out there. Uh, apparently had a decent spring. He'll be the starter. We thought it could be Kai Milner, which is a little disappointing. Um, is Mil- so the, my question is going to be on Plummer, but is Milner still worth a hold, Colin? He was a four-star in the 2021 recruiting class for anybody not super familiar. No, not unless you're in a very, very deep league. As I mean, what's the ceiling on a Cal quarterback anyway? You know, it's it's Chase Garbers. Um, that was the ceiling on any of these quarterbacks. And Kai Milner could hit that, but do you really want to hold on for an extra year in hopes that he can hit that? I don't know. Uh, it would have to be a very, very deep league. Yeah, I can't. Well, yeah, a really deep league is probably right. Although Garbers was a top like 15 fantasy quarterback last year, weirdly. Like he kind of just snuck up at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm not sure Plummer is Garbers. I wouldn't call him athletic, but Plummer probably even uh, slightly less so. Um, The running backs, though, I think are the really interesting discussion here. And Damian Moore is the incumbent uh, after Christopher Brooks uh, headed out the door to BYU. And we'll talk about him when we talk about the independence. Moore had some fumbling issues last year, Colin. I think this job is going to be taken by Jaden Ott sooner rather than later. Ott was like a really high four-star kid. He's kind of fallen in the rankings, which is, um, you know, not great. But he was still ended ended uh, up as a four-star kid, and he got some really good reports out of spring. So I think this jo- this job at worst for him will be split this year, and then they'll they'll kind of move uh, forward with him. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning to. I mean, Damian Moore was like the incumbent. He, he was like the starter last year um, before he had some fumbling issues and then Christopher Brooks really took over. So I, I don't really see any reason why Jade Knott can't jump him. Jade Knott is a talented player um, and he's the type of guy that I think you're going to get three and a half years of solid CFF production for. So Jade Nott is a guy that I'm interested in for sure. Um, yeah, I, he's a guy that I didn't really love the talent, but the, the reports have been good and, um, you know, why not? And a nice stash at the end of drafts here. I'm not sure which wide receiver I actually won here, if any. So I'm probably not actually rostering any of them if I don't have to, but just a couple guys to carry over from last year that we, we liked in last year's class. We highlighted the Cal class as a class that we thought was underrated. Um, Maven Anderson, uh, was my favorite guy in the class. Then you were a Sturdivant guy, right? J. Michael Sturdivant. Um, I liked him both, but yeah, I was a little higher on Sturdivant. Yeah, Sturdivant, kind of the bigger guy, you know, six two, six three boundary guy. Maven Anderson, a little more Amari Rogers ish uh, from like a play style perspective. Just super, super good athlete. Uh, kind of a thicker slot guy. Um, I don't. Again, though, I don't. I if I have one of those two guys, and I'm and I'm debating to cut down my roster for a sub draft this, this off season, maybe they're on the fence, but I'm probably not drafting them if I don't have to in a startup this year. Cause I just don't know what this offense will look like. Yeah. If it's a startup, I'm probably not taking either of them. I do have a Anderson in one league and I have Sturdivant in another cause I did take them last year. So they're in that situation. I'll hold them unless there's somebody else that, you know, I'm dying to pick up off of waivers because I, I do think they're both talented wide receivers. Like you said, Anderson is, is an athletic guy. He's a, a run after the catch type of a guy. Um, Sturdivant has some outside ability, you know, so they're solid receivers. Jack Plummer 
we saw him at Purdue and he has the ability to spread the ball around and put up some big games if he can stay healthy and limit some of the turnovers. So there could be, there's, there's a world where one of these guys is actually fantasy relevant. And there's a world where one of these guys is NFL relevant then, you know, probably more of a day three guy, but still NF, you know, they, they get drafted. I just don't know which one it's going to be there of them, but if I have them, I'm holding. Yeah. T- tough, tough situation to read there. So not a buy, but, but, but probably a hold for you. Uh, and just a notable name. We're not going to talk about him here really, but Jermaine Terry at tight end, a bigger four-star kid again, last year, Cal had a sneakily good recruiting class. Um, could be an intriguing, uh, you know, if you have to start two tight ends might be worth a, a roster spot. Uh, at some point down the line, um, Colorado, man, I don't want to talk Yeesh. about Colorado, Colin. I'm scared. I, I don't want to do this. Um, I don't want to talk. Brandon Lewis is the only guy that's even moderately interesting. And I, I think at this point we know he's just bad. Like I thought he could be a Jeff Sims ish level Konami upside guy. They, he's so bad last year that I just don't care about him anymore. And, they lose their the Jarek Broussard was really the intriguing guy and he's transferred out to Michigan State to running back. So then this team I'd struggled. I struggled to honestly, outside of Brendan Lewis, I play a lot of this stuff, so this is a slight exaggeration, but I would really struggle to name anybody else on this roster. I just would. It's it's this team is so bad. Yeah, this team is terrible. Um outside of Lewis, um RJ Sneed a wide receiver, but that was, and, and, and Alex Fontenot. So like I have two names just because we play Fontenot a lot of this. The one that, yeah, that would, that would do it for me, but yeah. yeah. I mean, we we're so immersed in this that it, you know, it's hard to not find a guy that, you know, on these, on the, especially on power five teams, but yeah, I don't, I'm not really interested in rostering anybody from this team. Um, they do bring in Mike Sanford as an offensive coordinator, which I think is a solid hire, um, you know, he's had a couple OC stops, QB coach stops, like Boise state, Notre Dame head coach at Western Kentucky, you know, so he has some coaching experience. He's, he's a solid hire here. Maybe this gets it going in, in the right direction. Um, but I just no right now there's nobody that I want. I'm wondering if Brendan Lewis gets benched for JT Shroud at some point. It honestly really wouldn't surprise me because Lewis is just so erratic as a passer. There's Maddox cop. That's where he got to. He was on Houston. And then he buried on the depth chart of Colorado. What a (laughs) guy. I was looking Um, at him as potentially the next guy up at Houston. Oregon. I'm not interested at all. Colin, we're moving on. Sorry. We are moving on. Oregon. Oregon. Um, A lot more to talk about here. They lose Anthony Brown, which is a, addition by subtraction he's crap imagine how good oregon would have been last year with competent quarterback play yeah like, like honestly honestly um yeah. i think bo nixon has a relationship with new offensive coordinator kenny dillingham all days at auburn they're together bo nix is the 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 worst no how do i want to put this the best terrible quarterback i've ever seen in my life that's how i think that's how i want to say it he constantly just makes the stupidest decision possible at just absolutely baffling times. And about 30% of the time it works out for him. I've honestly never seen a guy like this. 
I do think this year will boost his stock a little bit. I'm not saying first round pick, but I do think, you know, former five-star kid, he's got a very nice arm. He is mobile. I think that Oregon offensive line will hold up a lot better for him than whatever he's had in the past. I think he's actually a really intriguing player. It really come a long way from us joking that if you timed out on a pick last year, you would get Bo Nix. <laughs> I actually kind of want Bo Nix. Yeah. Um, it, it is a weird, weird place, weird world that we're in right now. Um, Bo Nix is out there. He's having fun. This is his year, the dark horse for Heisman. But I actually believe a little bit of that. You know, I do think this is his year. I, I think that this is a better situation for him. Um, you know, he had his best year under new OC Kenny Dillingham. So there's some familiarity with the system. There's some really solid weapons here. Uh, I think that he is going to have a solid year and then he's going to get drafted higher in the NFL draft than anybody's expecting. And people are going to laugh when it happens, but I think he is going to have a really solid year this year and boost his stock. I wasn't going to talk about him, but I do think we have to just bring him up. Ty Thompson with Dante Moore coming in next year, the five star uh, from the Detroit area. Does Ty Thompson ever start here? Man, pour one out. Um, I think he should have transferred once they brought in Bo Nix because it was just always doubtful that he was going to unseat Bo Nix. As much as everybody jokes about Bo Nix, he's not, he's better than Anthony Brown. Um, So uh, he should have transferred. He didn't, he's not going to win this job. He's going to sit for another full year. Then they're going to bring in Dante Moore. He's going to try, they're going to make it a, a competition with him all year. And then, Dante Moore probably ends up starting because I do think Dante Moore is more talented than Thompson. So there's no no shame in that. I mean, yeah. So no barring injury from Bo Nix this year. I don't think Ty Thompson starts for Oregon. Um, His best hope is to transfer somewhere else. So here's Bo Nix can come back. (laughs) That's the thing that none of us have talked about, about this quarterback situation. Bo Nix can come back if he wants to, he has another year. I'm just throwing that out there. I shouldn't have put that out into the ether, but it's out there now. I'm so sorry. Um, there's a chance that Bo Nix is a starter here for two years. Um, running back, they lose a lot of their production. Travis Dye, uh, especially um, gone, uh, as is um, Verdell. Thank you, CJ Verdell. It's an intriguing room as a whole i actually think this this went from a a huge weakness of the team uh to a bit of a strength and the you can thank the transfer portal and and recruiting for that byron cardwell is going to probably be the guy i fought very hardly against this throughout this offseason but i do think he's going to get i struggle to say he's going to get bell cow touches i still think the guys behind him are going to get enough touches to be annoying yeah i do think he's probably going to be the starter there Behind him, Noah Whittington comes in from Western Kentucky. Marquise Irving comes in from Minnesota. Um, two smaller backs, uh, a little more, you know, shifty. Sean Dollars was a guy I really liked as a freshman and then has had just bad injury luck since then. And then Jordan James was a freshman running back. Felix really likes him. I not as much as Felix, but I I, I do like Jordan James a lot. I think he's a very talented back. This is a solid, solid room, and they can throw a lot of different kind of looks at you with what these kind of guys skill sets are. I mean, Carl's a little more 
uh, between the tackles, contact balance guys, Whittington, Irving, a little more receivers, and then dollars, I think, is a little kind of, you know, wild card, a little bit of everything guy. Yeah, I, I think this is um, – I, I was very high on Cardwell, and I, I still am. I still do like Cardwell. Um, but I was higher on him before they brought in the other two transfers because I did not like the rest of this room. This room was not a good room, and I thought he would be a bell cow. Now they brought in Whittington. They brought in Irving. Um, who provide a little bit of a different look so they can bring those guys in, in different packages uh, and siphon off some of the work from Cardwell. So I don't think he will be a bell cow, but I think he will lead this committee by a decent margin. Um, So I still do like Cardwell. Um, I have just dropped him a little bit. Um, So, you know, and then, then Jordan James coming in, Uh, I I like Jordan James. I think Jordan James is probably a play for the future, but Cardwell has three more years of eligibility if he wants it. So that's a little bit of a knock on James. It's interesting. So I think it's, it, it's going to be Cardwell only gets like 60% of the touches. The the problem is going to be the 40% is going to be defeated against everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's like 80%, no 20% or anything, but it's just going to be like, it's going to be, you know, Cardwell and then like everyone else touches the ball. Yeah, um, which will be a little frustrating. I think they do will run a decent amount too, especially with Dan Lanning's background, uh, defense coordinator at Georgia for years. I and mean, I think that's, you know, he wanted a deep backfield. He wanted a backfield that could give teams a lot of different looks, very similar to what Georgia uh, has done over the past, uh, you know, five, ten, whatever years. Wide receiver. You know, we just talked about how deep the running back room is. The wide receiver room is very, very strong as well. I think they have three or four players here that. I don't know who to project to be their wide receiver one, but I think uh, you you have some guys that have a decent chance to do it. Troy Franklin, numero uno, high four-star kid last year. My only knock on Franklin coming out of high school, and I still have it, is that he kind of seems like a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and he's very slight, which has become less and less of an issue over the past few years, but it still exists. You also have Dante Thornton, who is the 6'4" speedy downfield kind of win a catch point guy. And then you've got seven McGee who we talked a little bit about earlier with Arizona, where he came in as a running back last year. It's like 170 pounds soaking wet shifted to more of a slot receiver role, which I think fits his skill set a lot better. And now all of a sudden, you know, if that's the three guys you're going up against, you can toss, you know, a Chris Hudson or somebody else out there. That's, that's a scary, scary group for for defenses to try to have to account for especially if you know you've got byron cardwell or jordan james or marquise irving in the backfield and, and bo Nix can run too like i think if they want to get creative here they can do a lot of really fun things with this group yeah absolutely i think the their wide receiver room um it's very diverse in their presumably their starting three in franklin thornton mcgee they all serve a different role so I think they will all have a role. I, I think Thornton or uh, Franklin will be the wide receiver one. I don't know how many pa- like fantasy relevant weeks that's going to lead to uh, because this team is going to be more run heavy. They're not going to be particularly fast. Their defense is going to be good. Um, so they're probably going to lean on that. But like you said, they could do some really creative things. And I kind of hope that they do because if they can – do some things creatively and unlock this offense. I think Oregon can be a really, really good team this year, like borderline playoff team this year. If they can 
unlock some things offensively. Yeah. Um, uh, Franklin and McGee are my two favorites of, of this team, just because I'm not a huge believer in, in the bigger uh, wide receiver uh, archetype that Thornton is. Um, let's head out of Oregon and well, across state uh, to Oregon state here. Uh, the Beavers don't know that we really care about the quarterbacks. I was, I, I had some hopes for chance Nolan last year. Who's, who's the returning starter. And he was pretty solid at times, but not really a fantasy guy and not really a Debbie guy. Like he's just, a steady Eddie there at quarterback running back though, I think is, is probably the position we care about most here. That's Deshaun Fenwick. Who's the, who's going to be probably, well, who's projected to be the guy. I think he got the first carries of camp here, uh, trying to replace BJ Baylor. Um, but Damian Martinez is a guy who's gotten a lot of buzz in the spring. True freshman came in there early enrolled, looked really, really good. Um, we actually got to sit down and talk with him uh, earlier this spring really you know good kid sharp kid I, re- I really really enjoy talking to him i'm really hoping you know just beyond that conversation i i, I like his game I, I i'm hoping he gets this job and this is an offense that has generally produced very you know a bell cow guy that has done well so i think whoever holds this job probably martinez eventually is a guy that you really want uh because that you know he might not be good enough to leave for the nfl for three years i mean you might legitimately get four years in this offense out of this guy. That's pretty great. Yeah. Cause this is not typically a team that um, employs a committee at the running back position. I mean, last year, BJ Baylor, 227 carries uh, before that Jamar Jefferson was a bell cow. Like this is a team that wants to lean on one guy and yes, Fenwick is the returning guy, the veteran in the room, but Martinez is just, better and i think that's gonna matter and i think by early in the season probably like week three or so martinez will have seized this job so yeah you're essentially getting four years of production from martinez i like martinez uh a lot i think that he has somewhat of an nfl future like he will get drafted he will be on a roster don't know how fantasy relevant he'll be at the next level, but four years of college production at, you know, let's say he gets 220 carries like Baylor did. That is valuable. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, and again, being you know, with the, the, I don't want to say quite the, the vanilla quarterback play here. I'm not sure that I, I care about any of the wide receivers. I don't think they're rosterable currently. Um, Stanford was very disappointing last year. And I think there's a lot of people calling for, david shaw's head sounds like they've made some changes behind the scenes um you know they they didn't uh, allow early enrollees because of their academic schedule some other uh visit issues as well letting kids on campus sounds like they've adjusted to the times a little bit and their recruiting classes are kind of bouncing back here so i'm interested to see what stanford does over the next year or two here um but regardless you what do they have going on in 2022 tanner mckee a quarterback He's getting first round buzz. I don't see this. I don't understand where this has really come from. He feels like the, he's a better player than Tyler Shuck, but he feels like the Tyler Shuck of last year that we kind of just sat here and laughed and said, that's not going to happen. Is he that much better of a player than Shuck though? I think he is. Yeah. I mean, this was not a good football team around him last year. No, but he also didn't help matters. I mean, he started the year off fairly solid and then was just 
bad down he's, the stretch. He's crap under pressure. Yeah. In my opinion. And he's yeah. crap under pressure. He's not mobile. Um, he just, I don't know. I think he's a Carson Strong type of a quarterback. Like, that's maybe his ceiling. Um, so I don't see the first round buzz at all. I don't think Stanford's going to pass the ball enough for him to really be fantasy relevant most weeks. Um, so I, I'm pretty out on McKee. I would roster him, but not where other people are taking him. See, I see him going late, so I, I'm fine with rostering him, but I just don't. I'm not sure that I see that this this upside is there. Um, running back, you, you know, they've produced some guys. They Bryce Love, if he hadn't gotten injured, uh, probably would have had a solid NFL career, and obviously Christian McCaffrey as well. Um, Austin Jones gone this offseason, um, as is Nathaniel Pete, who is over uh, with Missouri. EJ Smith's really the only guy left there that, that has any sort of experience. Yes, he is related to Emmett Smith. He is his son. Um, a good receiving back has not quite figured out between the tackles running yet. But I think if he does, he's a very dangerous player. It's his job to lose here. And if Stanford can get back to the ground and pound, 1,000-yard a year is not out of the question for him, even though last year they struggled on the ground. I think a... 1500 yard season oh. not all purpose oh. like factor in the receiving game too oh shit i was but, falling asleep here at midnight colin <laughs> has woke me up yeah i think i could see him having 1500 yards this year um you know between rushing and receiving there i i, I like ej smith I, he is the only guy in this backfield i you say like if he can hang on to it i don't see anybody that even if he fell flat on his face, that would be able to pick it up and, and take it back from him. Um, this is his backfield. He does need to improve between the tackles, but he is a very dynamic receiver. He can be used in a number of different ways as a receiver. Um, and then Stanford, like you said, is more of a ground and pound team. Um, if, if really the big concern is the, is the pace of play, if they can pick that up a little bit, um, and then they bring back all five offensive linemen from last year. I think this is a t yeah, this is this is a guy who could have a really really nice year at, at Stanford in terms of CFF. And I don't think he's quite getting the respect that he should. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I mean, fifteen hundred yards seems crazy, but um, should that who, have been my bold take? It should have been. You want to go re go back go back and redo yours? Yeah, let's record over it. Okay, perfect. Um, Arlen Harris is interesting as well. A uh, four-star kid coming in this year, a kid that I like a little more than his composite ranking. Um, not on campus yet, but he or it wasn't through spring. Um, so a little behind the eight ball, but I think he's a good player. It's really funny that a lot of their wide receivers are all kind of the, just kind of a big bully guy. And no one there that I really like. The, the pass catcher that everyone really is, is looking at here is Benjamin Urisic. I think people are slightly high on him but I still think he's a pretty good player. He's got NFL size at the tight end position. He produced a pretty decent clip last year. So if you're just looking for a CFF guy, you could do a lot worse than him. I'm just not like, I think he can be a, a tight end, the tight end 11 in the NFL for a few years, which is not a bad player. I just think his NFL upside has been slightly overstated. Not a bad player, just not a elite tight end type prospect. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. 
Um, I think he's just a he's a classic Stanford tight end. Those are guys they go to the NFL, they have a role, but you know, outside of, of you know one or two, um, but uh, Hooper, um, outside of Hooper, you know, how many of those guys were really that productive? So, but for CFF purposes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think he can have a really nice year again this year. I just think he's, I'm with you. I think he's being a little bit overrated at this point. Um, for NFL, like I said, he'll, he'll stick on a roster, but if he's ever a guy you want to start at the NFL level, I'll be surprised. Um, and then Sam Roush is a popular stash tight end there. He's a true freshman. I will be the first to admit I'm not familiar too much with him. This is purely what I've heard from from some CFF folks out there. Um, so just if you did you watch Roush at all? I don't watch a lot of uh, uh, high school tight ends, just not a position that I think is worth spending a lot of time on. No, I'll watch like the top five. If I get down to 10, it's probably, I mean, I'm bored or it's a good class or there's somebody else that that told me to look up a player specifically. So no, I have not watched him, but one, I don't typically take uh freshman tight ends. They have to be a fairly special tight end or it has to be a really good value. Um, and I just, I don't really see that with Roush. I'll pick him up later if I want, because whoever drafts him is probably going to drop him mid-year this year or or early next year. Let's head over to one of the Judases here of the, <laughs> of, of, <laughs> of the group. UCLA and USC is right behind him here. So uh, shun them both, uh, tearing the Pac-12 apart single-handedly. This is DTR's team, and it'll go as far as he and Zach Charbonnet can take it. DTR, I think we know what he is at this point. You know, he, he's in his fifth year on campus, big, athletic. Seems like one or two games a year he's putting it all together, and then he just totally bottoms out the two other ones that they they inexplicably lose. But uh, UCLA, I mean, they put a thumping on LSU last year. They they can definitely impose their will. Um, so I'm... I, I, I think DTR for fantasy purposes, he can be a QB one, QB two type guy. It's just his last year. Um, and so I think the value is low with no NFL potential. Like you're strictly getting one year. That's it. You're moving on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you are getting one year, but I think it's going to be a really good year. I mean, he was um, the QB 12 on a points per game basis last year. And he's also the type of guy that can put up a 50 burger in a week. You know, there's not all that many of those quarterbacks out there that can do that. And he's one of them. So I like Dorian Thompson Robinson for CFF purposes. Even if you only get one year out of him, um, he's still a guy that I'm pretty comfortable drafting. Um, but yeah, this, this team is going to go, as far as DTR can carry them. And I think we've seen how far he can carry them. Um, eight wins last year, nine wins, probably their ceiling. Justin Martin, a guy that I like to stash behind him because he's basically just DTR five years ago. Um, so, you know, even if the, if the development doesn't happen, I think that's a valuable player uh, to keep around. Colin, Zach Charbonnet, go. <laughs> um i mean zach charbonnet ended the season with 227 touches last year Britton brown's gone i think he's a lock 
for another 227 touches. He might even hit 250 touches. So he's going to be a monster for CFF. And I think there's an NFL future there for him as well. Big guy, good size. Uh, he's got good speed. He's been clocked over 20 miles per hour. Um, I think it was like 21. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think there's an NFL future there for him because he can catch the ball as well. So uh, I've already said my piece on on Zach Charbonnet. Um, I'm interested to hear yours now. Um, moving on. Super soaker to your head, Colin. <laughs> Who's the backup here? If something were to happen to Zach Charbonnet or, you know, he's gone next year, they do have a, a, a high four-star kick coming in next year. But, you know, something happens to Zach Charbonnet this year. Is it Deshaun Morrell? Is it Tamarian Harden? I think it's probably Morrell. He's been in the year in the system for a year longer. But I think if Charbonnet goes down, I think it's a committee. Mm-hmm. Um, Keegan Jones is a guy who's really interesting. He, he was a guy that I saw a couple plays of leading into last year. And I was like, holy shit, this guy can fly he's tiny though um but i yeah i think it'll be morell harden and keegan jones in a in a committee if anything happens to charbonnet so i don't know if there's really anything too much you can glean from the backup here especially with the high four-star kid coming in wide receiver i think this will be a really interesting group no more kyle phillips he's now making waves um with tennessee jake bobo comes over from duke i don't know that jake bobo is particularly spectacular but they seem to like him as kind of a steady presence there i think he's definitely worth a stash if if you have a thin wide receiver room because if this offense does take off a little bit you know they passed for about 2500 yards last year if he can take the decent share of that i think he's intriguing but the other intriguing guy there is michael as as the tight end who's like a kind of a hybrid guy. He's really athletic and I, they've done a pretty good job with tight ends over the past couple of years. So I actually think he's the, the, the pass catcher I want over anybody else, but Bobo is the wide receiver that, I, that you're going to be targeting. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I don't have too much more to add on to that. I think Bobo will have some fantasy relevant weeks. So he is a guy that I will pick up at the end of drafts. Um, but yeah, uh, the tight ends, the one you want. And that's a wrap on UCLA. <laughs> Not a lot going on there. USC, though, I think is going to be a little bit of a fun discussion here. Um, Caleb Williams, the undisputed guy, forces Jackson Dart out, um, comes over from from Oklahoma where he kind of took the, the job over halfway through the year. I think we all know the story already. He's familiar with the system. He's familiar with at least one of his wide receivers. I think he's just going to hit the ground running here. Um, I believe Nate Marquise, you know, who we had on um, within the past week or so on here, um, has him as his quarterback one for the year for CFF. And that would not shock me. I I am anticipating a really big year because he's going to pick up rushing production. and He's going to throw for a ton of yardage because the defense is bad like this. They're going to have to score 40 points a game to win. And that's going to be a lot falling (laughs) on Caleb Williams' shoulders. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Caleb Williams and the and how like there's a lot of really good offensive pieces here, which we can get into you know a little bit later and stuff. But he has the talent around him 
Um, they are returning four uh, starters on the offensive line. So I think that'll be solid. Like this offense is going to be good. That's not really the question. The defense is going to be a pro is going to be a problem. And Caleb Williams absolutely has QB one overall upside uh, within his range of outcomes. So yeah, I think that's a great call by Nate Marquise. Um, Miller Moss is the backup there and he's, he's probably too talented to be a backup. I don't think he hangs out there for long. They have Malachi Nelson probably coming in there next year. Although, you know, everyone wants to say that he's flirting with Texas A&M now. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but, but Miller Moss might be an intriguing guy to just watch if he ends up in the portal and where he goes next year. Travis Dye, Austin Jones, two new running backs there. They'll be competing with Darwin Barlow. Um, I I think people are really either you believe that Travis Dye is the guy there or you think it's a total committee. That kind of seems like the direction that, that people are going. It doesn't seem like anyone favors Barlow or Jones to be the guy. Eileen Dye is the guy. I did not mean to rhyme. Yes, you but did. I <laughs> shucks. Um, I have my rhyming dictionary out. Um, but I, is there NFL future here? I'm skeptical. I don't believe so. Um, is there an NFL future with die? Yes. Is well, it a fantasy relevant NFL future? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Like die is the type of guy that I think will get drafted in like round four. Um, maybe early round five, but I think he gets drafted. He, because he is versatile, you can use him in the past game. So while he is small, I think he's like two Oh five. Um, so he's small, but you can use him in the past game. He can run between the tackles. He doesn't really have anything that he really just hangs his hat on, um, in, in terms of traits. So no, I don't believe he has a fantasy relevant NFL future, but I think he gets drafted and I think he sticks on a roster. And yes, I do think Die is the guy in this backfield, but I think it's a little bit more along the lines of like we were talking about with Oregon, where it's like he gets 60% of the carries and then Barlow, Jones, um, Barlow and Caleb Jones. Williams. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Like those guys are going to get the rest of the carries. Yeah, Williams, I think the other thing you have to factor in with him is that he's going to take some of that backfield away. So, yeah. you, I mean, another back can be productive that way it's just it depends how much backs you know two and three eat in to that pie as well two two top end receivers here colin jordan addison obviously the reigning bolitnikoff award winner and then you have mario williams who came over uh, along with caleb williams and lincoln riley and company from oklahoma uh, williams has the familiarity with the offense and with caleb williams but I also don't think Jordan Addison was going there to not be the guy. Otherwise that's a, that'll be up there with some of the worst decisions we've seen somebody make uh, um, here. So, I mean, is it, is it Jordan Addison one Mario Williams two? Can they both be 1000 yard receivers? I think Jordan Addison's the one. I think he's pretty much a lock for a thousand yards. Um, Mario Williams. I can definitely see him getting, um, a thousand yards, but Gary Bryant is in this room too. Uh, Gary Bryant's a talented wide receiver. Like I like Gary Bryant. Um, and I think he can siphon off enough work and he can earn enough targets 
that it limits Mario Williams and the like the wide receiver twos upside in this offense. So I don't think Mario Williams hits a thousand yards this year. I think you're looking at more like 800 for him. And that is with an offense that I think is going to have to pass the ball more than they run this year because of the way the defense is. Um, so the passing volume, I think will be there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bryant siphons off enough from Williams that it's, fr- it's going to frustrate Williams owners this year. Behind those two guys, Colin is Gary Bryant, the third guy here. And can he have a productive enough season? And likewise for a guy like CJ Williams, who really didn't show too much in the spring. Like, are these guys going to be factors there? I, as we've been talking about this more and more over the past couple of months, I think CJ Williams could be a zero. I know they'll be rotating a lot of guys through there, but I, I'm slightly worried about him. Yeah, I'm absolutely worried about CJ Williams. I think there's enough other bodies in that room that they, and he, I have not heard buzz about CJ Williams, like really standing out or anything like, you're looking at Addison, you're looking at Williams, you're looking at Gary Bryant. I think that's the one, two, three. Taj Washington's there. He's not a slouch. I don't think he's quite a USC starting USC caliber receiver, but he's a nice rotational piece. Kyle Ford's a guy that they've been trying to make happen for years, and there's always some buzz about him. If he can stay healthy, you know, he's going to earn some work too. Jerry Rice's kid, Brendan Rice, transfers in from um, Colorado. You know, he's going to get some work there as well. That's six wide receivers that I think are ahead of CJ Williams. CJ Williams could climb that a little bit, but I don't know. I I do think that there's a good possibility he's a wide receiver uh, zero this year. I don't want to bury the kid because I I do think he's a talented player and he looked solid in the All-American game. Um, It's just, it's a lot of bodies. And some of these, Mm -hmm. some of these guys, you know, and we do say, if a player is good enough, even if there are a lot of bodies in the way, they find a way. You know, Jamison Williams, who everyone thinks of as like a classic zero, was not a zero. Jamison Williams did, did some stuff as a freshman. So if Williams is a, is worth anything eventually, there's a high likelihood that he at least gets on the field. And if he doesn't, even, you know, you can say there's all these guys in front of him, but it is a big cause for concern. And it would be a cut bait for me at that point. Not that I... I, I tend not to end up with a lot of him. There's a couple of the guys in that tier that I just prefer a little bit Same. over him, but um, certainly not a bad player by any stretch. Um, all right, Colin, we are heading down the home stretch here. For those that didn't listen to the episode, my bold take for this year was that Utah goes undefeated and makes it to the playoff. They got Florida week one. They've got a couple of tough games there in the Pac-12, but I think they can do it, and they'll only go as far as Cameron Rising and Tavion Thomas can take them. Davion Thomas, huge year last year. Juco kid came up, 21 rushing touchdowns, uh, over 1,000 yards rushing as well. Extremely productive on the ground. Cameron Rising, a dual-threat guy, transferred over from Texas a couple years ago, really just kind of had to wait and wait and wait. Finally got his turn here this year. That's one of the better running back quarterback duos in all of college football. Yeah, I I really think it is. Um, I I think – Tavian Thomas, he upsets me a little bit because Makai um, Bernard popped off in like week one or two last year, and I scooped up a lot of Makai Bernard, and then he kind of fell off, and Tavian Thomas stepped up, and other people got Tavian Thomas. So I'm a little bit upset about that, but 
doesn't mean Tavian Thomas isn't a good CFF player. I think he is going to be a very, very productive this year. Touchdown regression probably incoming, but you know he'll have the full season of the workload this year. Cam Rising is a guy that I think has some underrated uh, NFL potential. Like you don't really hear anybody talking about Cam Rising for as, as an NFL guy. And I don't think he's like a round one type of a guy, but I think he can very much be in that Kellen Mond range, um, you know, mid to early second round, go to a team where they have a guy, but maybe he's on a long contract. He sits for a couple of years and maybe he gets a shot. So I think that's kind of what he's looking at. Um, but he also does have an, a, another year of eligibility after this year, which is uh, a little bit disappointing for Nate Johnson um, because Nate Johnson, the incoming quarterback this year, four-star kid is an electric athlete. And I think he could really do some damage when he gets on the field. Yeah. Um, I, I like rising. I had him stashed for a while. So he, he went to Texas as a freshman and then realized very quickly that he, he was not going to stay there. He went to Utah, sat a year, got his chance for COVID year, injured his shoulder, like, a quarter into the season, missed the rest of that season. We weren't sure if he was going to come back yet. There's a chance he wasn't even at full strength last year. So I'm, I, I am excited to see what he can do uh, with, you know, and that, and a whole off season here to heal. And they do say that he um, looks new and improved uh, beyond Thomas real quick, Colin, just Jalen Glover. We we've talked a little bit about him on the show, a bowling ball of a back kind of Ty Jordan esque. I mean, this, this staff kind of has a type, he's he's like five seven but he's over 200 pounds i think he's the next guy up or at least he'll fight bernard for next guy up it hurts because we like ricky parks the year before too but it sounds like parks has kind of been banished um to, to fourth string i don't know that we ever really see him as a meaningful guy here at utah yeah i wasn't ever huge on parks um but yeah it does sound like it'll be bernard and glover kind of battling it out next year but the Utah staff is not afraid to just take whoever the most talented guy is and give him the ball. Uh, we've seen that multiple times. That happened with Tavian Thomas last year. He was not the starter to start the year, and then he just seized the job and ran with it. So I absolutely think that Jalen Glover can do that. Um, Makai Bernard has, has fumbled a, a lead back role before, uh, and I don't think he – is anything particularly special to stand in Glover's way. So I do have Glover ranked pretty highly because I think he's going to be the guy, the next guy up behind after Thomas. So he may not be the number two guy this year, but for 2023, I think he'll be the number one. I have to look and see how much I have. It's a lot. Um, I he, I see a lot of people take Devon Valley, who's supposed to be their leading wide receiver this year. I'm just not sure this is an offense that I want a wide receiver. Like just just straight up. I don't know that I care about it, but the tight ends are really where the intrigue is. Uh, both of them, Brant Queefy and Dalton Kincaid, both have some NFL buzz. I think the problem with Queefy, even though he's been very productive there, is that he is an H-back. He's not a tight end. I don't think he has the size or necessarily the blocking chops strength at the point of attack to be a every down tight end of the NFL. But Dalton Kincaid might, and he's a decent athlete. I think they're both really interesting guys. I had a lot of Queefy from like two or three years ago on rosters, 
This offseason, I've taken a couple shares of Kincaid over him. I just to diversify, but it, it seems like Kincaid's getting a little more draft hype. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've, I haven't really watched Kincaid much specifically, um, so I don't really know all that much about him. But Keithy is more of a, a little bit more of an H back type of a guy. So, given that they lost um, Britton Covey, the wide receiver one from last year, I don't particularly think that highly of Vele, but he's also six foot five and he's like a big guy. So I could see them using Keithy more in like the slot over the middle, like that type of a role and getting Kincaid on the field more in like a true to more traditional tight end type of a role. So I think there's room for both of these guys. Um, like I said, I don't, I can't really speak too much to Dalton Kincaid's NFL potential, but for CFF, I think both of these guys could bring some value. I think so too. Um, let's over to Washington. Kalen DeBoer comes in. We're Instantly much more interested in this offense than we ever were. DeBoer, the former head coach at Fresno, went in there and uh, really turned that offense uh, around. We thought Sam Heward at the beginning of this offseason could be the guy there. And now it sounds like Heward is basically third guy on the depth chart. It's been really disappointing. Five-star kid in last year's class. Look, you don't have to be an amazing quarterback to start at Washington. Michael Penix, former DeVore quarterback, probably has this job to start the year. He can't stay healthy. But what do we expect out of Penix? Let's assume that he can stay healthy for a whole year. What do we expect out of him? If Penix can actually stay healthy for a full year, I expect, you know, QB2, back-end QB2, high-end QB3, CFF-type production. Like, I think he could finish in that 20 like right around 25 um, QB 25 on the year. Cause this is an offense that is going to throw the ball. They're going to play pretty fast pace. They have a lot of talent uh, at the receiver position, which we can get to a little bit later, but, and Penix has had a really solid year um, under DeBoer before. So if he could stay healthy, yeah, I, I, I could see him having a really nice year, but that's a big if. Uh, he just has not been able to do it so far. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about this on Debbie Debate this week, actually. Um, if you want to go listen to that episode, we talk about a bunch of quarterback battles and kind of what we expect, um, the ones that are still unfolding. And my argument was I don't know that it matters who the quarterback is here for the, the wide receivers. At Indiana, you know, some people raved over Penix's play when he was there. He was no better than Peyton Ramsey on a per basically per game basis. They were equivalent players there. And nobody cared who Jake Hayner was before Kalen DeBoer got his hands on him. No offense to Jake Hayner, who has turned himself into quite a, a decent player. But he was a, he, he's a six-year guy for a reason. He was at Washington and was nothing. He couldn't get on the field. Had to transfer to little Fresno State to, to get that chance. Turned out to be a great move for him. So I think regardless, you know, Dylan Morris might really test this theory, but I really think that no matter who their quarterback is, I think everyone will be productive. And I think that can lead us right into this discussion on these wide receivers. You love Jalen McMillan. I feel like I should just do the same thing I did with Zach Charbonnet. Jalen McMillan, go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Jalen McMillan is 
a little bit different than Charbonnet in that I believe in McMillan's pro potential and I have for a while. Uh, and now his CFF potential finally catching up to him here. I, I think Jalen McMillan can absolutely operate in that Jalen Cropper role in this offense from last year. Uh, and that was a role that finishes the wide receiver 30, you know, um, I think Washington is a team that's going to throw the ball a lot under DeBoer. Like you said, does it really matter about the QB play? I don't really think so. So I think Jalen McMillan is a wide receiver three this year, probably for fantasy purposes for CFF. And I think he has the skill set and the talent to be an NFL wide receiver. Um, I hesitate to say that I can see a path to day two draft capital because you make fun of me all the time for that. And I think this that, is where you're going to draw I the line. I think that might be a little. I, I worry that me saying that is me, cl- my judgment being clouded. Um, so I, I hesitate to say that, but I think. I do think he can. Um, so, and I think he's going to have a role at the NFL level. So I like him a lot. Okay. That's the places you draw the line are just mind bending to me. You got to draw a line somewhere. Odunze is okay. <laughs> the other guy there. I think we like him too. He's a little stiffer. I think a little bigger bodied, deep ball guy i think mcmillan's more well-rounded i i still prefer mcmillan beginning of the offseason i was saying you know at cost i think i'll take the dunze but i would just rather have mcmillan at this point i'd rather spend up a little more i would too um but i don't think Odunze's a bad player in his own yeah. right you know i think he can he's going to be a little bit more boomer bust i would rather him in like more of a best ball um but you know, I, I think he's talented enough that he's also going to draw attention off of McMillan. Running back, Colin, do you want to talk about Aaron Dumas? You're, you've been a fan for a while here now. Yeah, I, I do like Aaron Dumas, and I, I, I liked him more. It's just it's more because of DeBoer's system. You know, we, we saw what he could do with Ronnie Rivers, and I don't think Dumas is quite Ronnie Rivers, but uh, this staff brought him in for a reason um, and they plucked him out of New Mexico where, you know, he was mildly productive, but it's New Mexico. So nobody really cared, but he also catches passes really well too. So I think he's a pretty natural fit for this Ronnie rivers role. You might not hit quite hit that ceiling, but that's still a really valuable role. And this dude is basically free. Yeah. I like stashing him late. Um, Him and him and Vivens and Parson. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, or a couple yeah. episodes ago, or kind of the guys that I last episode that I tap late. Wow, they, they all run together after long enough, you know. Um, the tight ends, Colin, they lose uh, Kate Otten, who's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. Devin Culp's his replacement. And I think he's kind of intriguing, though. Guy, I'm actually more uh, willing to stash Kate's brother, though Ryan, who's a true freshman, than I am to take Culp. I don't really know why that is. It just is the move that I'm making for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, I think Culp is a little bit more of a hybrid type of a player, whereas Ryan Otten, I think will develop into more of a true tight end. So that could be a role or be a reason for why you're targeting Otten. Um, But I I don't, 
know if either of these guys are going to have that much fantasy relevancy. I think this is mostly going to play through the receivers. Last up here, Colin, Washington State, another program with an overhaul here, new coaching. They bring in, they, they're going to try the cap, catch the lightning in a bottle that Western Kentucky did last year, bringing in a FCS offensive coordinator and his quarterback. So Cameron Ward comes in. He's gotten a lot of Debbie buzz. I get it. I get it. Big arm, mobile enough, has basically every tool you want but he does tend to struggle on a ball placement slash accuracy perspective from play to play. And mechanically his, his footwork is just like so, so bad. Almost no throw is ever the same. Like no two throws are ever the same. He, he's kind of just out there winging it. But I think if he can kind of get all these things figured out and get coached up a little bit, he comes from a high school that basically, I think they threw the ball like 60 times, like one like in one year or whatever. Like they just didn't throw it. I think if he can figure these things out, he's intriguing. I'm just cautiously optimistic. And I have taken him in a couple places this year. He's been a, a sub-draft prize, and at, uh, probably not as much of a value in startups. Yeah, I don't think he's really that much of a value in startups. Uh, the hype on him puts, more or less puts him at his ceiling. Uh, I don't think there's enough risk baked in to where he gets drafted. Now, I think regardless of what his NFL draft status ends up looking like, you know, you're going to have two very, two, one to two very productive years at Washington State from a CFF perspective. So I don't think he's going to be lacking in the statistical category, but not not enough risk is baked in where he could be Malik Willis, you know, in terms of where his draft capital ends up being a guy who's very toolsy, but just never really puts everything together and then falls further in the draft than people want. Um, so I don't have very much of him because, like I said, he's priced pretty close to a ceiling. Yeah, that that's always the kind of guy that's a tough uh, sell. And we haven't me. seen it for him at the yeah. Division One level. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. We wouldn't have talked about the running backs if we had done this show like two days ago. But the players, when they're getting interviewed by some of these yeah. local guys at camp, are saying that they're going to not pass the ball quite as much as everyone figured. They they. They threw the incarnate word threw the ball 45 times a game last year. And that's where uh, Ward and uh, new OC Eric Morris come over from. They're saying it's probably going to be 60, 40 pass run, which makes Nakia Watson an intriguing late stash. I, if, if they do run the ball a decent amount in this offense is as explosive as we think it can be, then there, there's a potential for, you know, some, some red zone work, you know, just, just sheer volume of touches could get him uh, to a decent spot here. So, so a sneaky guy here, Nakia Watson, formerly of Wisconsin transferred over here a year or two ago. Yeah, he is a sneaky guy. He's a guy that I haven't pulled the trigger on anywhere in drafts, but I always watch list him. I always add him to my queue and just kind of end up passing over him. Um, but yeah, the news that they, 
are going to run the ball more than people think is, is really interesting. I had seen those little nuggets too. Um, so yeah, I think he's definitely worth a stash at the end, um, at the end of your drafts on the chance that they do run the ball 40, you know, in like a 60, 40 way, uh, at like 40% of the time. Wide receivers calling. I think everyone at this point kind of, I mean, this is, this is the group think. So whether this ends up being right or not, this is just seems to be the prevalent thought is that Dejuan Dejuan Stribling is the guy to have here at wide receiver, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a funnel to him. They have a lot of other bodies here, Lincoln, Victor, Bernard Bell, supposed to be the wide receiver one or in contention for that last year before he got hurt. Donovan Ollie. And there's a lot of names here. Is is there a guy that you have preferred to roster after Stribling, or do you just have a lot of Stribling and nobody else? Which kind of seems to be the two takes I see from people. Um, I don't have that much Stribling. I do think Stribling is the guy most likely to lead this room. But his price is also the most expensive by a pretty good margin. Um Lincoln Victor, Donovan Ali, Renard Bell going very typically going very, very late. I am more interested in taking one of those guys late than I am paying the price for Stribling because I don't know how this is going to shake out. I'm not confident that there's going to be a funnel offense here and that it's not going to just distribute the ball. So it's going to be a very productive offense. Deshaun Stribling could absolutely smash this year in uh, CFF for CFF purposes. I'm just not confident enough on it to take Stribling at that price. Well, fine. Be that way. Um, I have a little bit of Stribling left over from last year, and that seems to be my my biggest investment, uh, for better or for worse, probably worse uh, in this offense. I, I did not do a great job of uh, going to get these guys. That's going to do it for tonight, Colin. Um, thank you to everybody here uh, for continuing with us. Next week, we're going to have the SEC coming at you, the, the money conference. Uh, we're going to do that one on Monday, and we're going to start a little earlier than normal, Colin. Um, so we're not up all night. That is totally fine by me. Check out everything we have to offer over at Campus to Canton, guys. The guides, the memberships, the podcasts, the YouTube videos, the articles, the rankings, the ADP, the tools. The Wow, that's a lot of stuff. It's a lot um, of stuff. Go check it all out. Campus to Canton.com, uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, emphasis on Instagram now from us, all yeah. under that same name, Campus, the number two Canton. Uh, Hannah doing a great job on all of that stuff. Uh, check out all the other shows again on the podcast feed here, guys. We just finished up our wide receiver summit. So we have all of those positional breakdowns now live on the YouTube page and a cut on the podcast side of things as well. We will be back on Monday with another edition of the show. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.